Hey kids, welcome back to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm George Sapio, and our guest this month is Ihui Wu, a lighting designer. Not only is Ihui a lighting designer, but she also works as a master electrician, someone who designs and constructs the disturbingly dangerous world of things that go zap and bzzz. She graduated Ithaca College in 2013 and has been working constantly since then. Her resume is seemingly endless, and you can see the results of her expertise on her website, which is ehui, that's e-hui dot info. And because I am geekily fascinated by the technical aspects of all things theater, I decided to start off by asking a pretty obvious question about how ehui works. If you walk in, you're a, you're a full-fledged creative person, okay? You You design with light, which is critical to every work that goes up in a theater. So where do their ideas fall, you know, fall short of information? I know what I want. Where do yours begin? And what kind of ideas do you walk in with initially for that? Let's say for that first meeting. Okay. Um, Well, for me, I, I like my work to be very, driven by the director in a sense like I like I like knowing that I'm starting on the same page as the director so I try my best to after I've read the play I know I have my ideas about it and I'm like okay if if I know there are certain tricks I want to use tricks in quotation marks Mm -hmm, um then I I keep them I write them down I write down my ideas about the play but I'm also in general hoping to seek a sort of um like key, uh, key, wow, key and theme right. from the first from the first meeting. Uh, so usually I walk in, and most people, most directors like to start their first meeting with "This is what I think about the play, or the musical, or the dance," which is great because that's what I want. I want to be, I want to hear what they want to do, right, and then make it happen. Um, and then recently, I worked on a, I worked on a new, uh, a workshop production. And I asked the playwright because she was on the phone with us when we when we talked. And I said, "So, what are your dreams?" And that was it. And hmm. she goes, "Wow, nobody has asked me that before." Uh, That's an interesting question. Yeah, I'm not sure I, I'd know what to answer. If you, you know, I mean, well, I meant in terms of like dreams regarding the play, not oh, like yeah. just dreams in general. Yeah, <laughs> that could get at least one of us arrested. Um, but go ahead. <laughs> um, what she said. Yeah, and then she said she said she would love to have, uh, th- because at the end there's a giant pyre that gets lit up. Well, goes into flames. Uh-huh. Um, and she said that her two big dreams was to have the fire come from inside the pyre instead of just lights making the pyre red. And she also calls for toothpaste colored sky. Somewhere between um, toothpaste and colored said, sky. Mm-hmm. Wow. And those are the two, like, bluish, greenish. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had to ask her because I, when she said toothpaste color, that was not the color I pictured for some reason because my toothpaste is not that color. Uh, <laughs> but those were, her two, those were her two desires. And then when those were fulfilled, and I know everything else was extra, in that sense. So I, I'm always looking for like special things that they really want and will look out for. Mm-hmm. And then do. Uh, some directors, some directors have a lot of ideas and some directors don't. Uh, and then there's also um, actually after my first year doing Fringe, 
I went to New York City with Ithaca Buto. Okay. And yeah. my first meeting with Amanda, I said, I was like, she she was like, oh, and then so then we have like a circle of light here. We have blue, and then this part we changed to green. And then when she was done telling me what the lighting did in every piece for like all the dances, I said, okay, Amanda. So ignoring. So this is Amanda Moretti we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, this is Amanda Moretti. And yeah. I said, just like, now that you've told me what the lighting used to do when you last performed this, what do you want to evoke? Like, I don't want to know, I don't want to know what the light actually did. I want to know what feelings you want the audience to have. And then she goes, oh, what? Mm, it, I, I like it, that question. Yeah, because then, because the problem is if the directors go through the process being like, oh, uh, I want the lights to change. I want the lights to be blue here and green here. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get into the space. I mean, it's, it's more so for small shows where the gear is so minimal and you might not be able to get what you really want. You mean like the two lights like, we had at the Ithaca Fringe for the Buto? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that went on so and then, off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then sometimes they, if they go into the process thinking, okay, the lights are going to do this and that. And you're like, okay, I think that might work. And you get into the space and they're like, oh, that's, that's not what I pictured. It's not changing blue in the section. Then we get into problems and we're so late into tech that it's not, you might not be able to fix it. Right. Whereas if you start with what do you want the audience to feel? then you can talk about achieving the final goal of that as opposed to something specific, like the lights turn yellow. Gotcha. How, I'm, I'm curious, how did you solve the, the, um, I got, uh, the fire question? Oh, we, we was really low budget. We, um, the pyre became made out of um, stacks of chairs. And then, so I, and then mm. they had a lot of uh, clip lights in stock. And red and yellow light bulbs. Okay. So, yeah. yep, that was it. That was it. Just uh, little clip lights buried in the set. And eventually when the pyre was lit up, it just started to glow from inside. Um, nice. Very, very low tech, but got the job done. I'm, I'm sure it did. I'm, I can picture that in my head right now. It looks, it looks <laughs> I like that solution. Yes. It's clever. Um, in a higher tech version, in a higher tech version, it would have been LED tape and and friends, but LED tape. Yeah, LED tape. It's, it's like it's a big thing now. Everybody wants to put LED tape in their set. I so. got, okay, because I I work extremely small theaters, so for me, I have like these these dinky little LED, you know, uh, pop lights. I haven't seen tape yet. That how does that work? Uh basically oh gosh i don't even know the science i don't know the science behind it but it's it's basically a strip of is this led like diodes the, 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 is this, is this like the this, rope lights that we used to, we used to see all over the place kind of like kind of like rope light um but a lot of people are using it in their rooms now like if you oh gosh i'm i'm sure if you visit some college I'm, campuses I'm all the kids Google will have this, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm excited now, now I, would, I, just, I don't care what the next play is I'm going to put like LED tape in it just it sounds good <laughs> and it's 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 easy to, uh, and it, it's decently cheap a lot of people buy it off Amazon um, but for theatrical purposes mm -hmm. 
when you start worrying about like whether the color matches and all that stuff, because sometimes you can buy a pack of 10 from the same supplier distributor and each, each strip of 16 feet might have a different pink from the other. Right. Yeah. So but anyway, I'm, batch, um, yeah. yeah. So, or even if it claims it's from the same batch and you pay a lot of money for it, sometimes you still have to color match them. Um, but yeah, no, a lot of people like using LED tape. It's not very, well, it's pretty bright on its own because it's LED. Um, but in general, if you get a lot of LED tape together, you could potentially blast a lot of light. Mm. That's color changing. And it's relatively cheap compared to an actual full, actual full like LED fixture. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so that's. This leads me into my one of one of my next questions, um, which I was going to wait a little bit, but since we're here already, let's let's deal with it. LEDs versus the older model, I guess. What Parkans, Fresnels, um, incandescent, incandescent. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. The new LEDs uh, seem to be able to be ultimately programmable to almost anything, almost any kind of color, any kind mm-hmm. of pattern. Switch with you know whatever. Q is given them from the little computer thingy on the desks that the lighting mm-hmm. people kind of work with. Um, is this system mo- much more easy to work with? Mo- uh, any, any, uh, is it more difficult than the old, you know, up in the grid, you have to uh, do the whole lighting grid thing. What's, um, what's the difference between these? Uh, personally, I like a mix of both. Um, okay. The good, th- the pros about LEDs is yes, they change color. They take a lot less power. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, if maybe your space could only power twenty dimmers in the past, now that the LEDs are being powered by a non-dim, so like you could just plug it into the wall, you yeah. can power a lot more fixtures with that. So that's one. That's one good thing about LEDs. Well, two good things: they change color, and they take less power. The thing about them changing color is great because then in the past, if I wanted blue backlight and pink backlight, for example, I would need two full systems of backlight. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, oh, I, I need those colors. All right, click of a mouse or a couple of keystrokes and done. They're a different color. It's, it's a lot more efficient. It's still pricey and not a lot of places can afford it, but I know a lot of places are starting to be like, okay, in the long run, if we upgrade the LEDs now, we'll save money, we'll save power costs right. and people are so used to that being able to change color so fast now that it's it's kind of a norm yeah um it's probably also a lot hand, cooler in the theater too because the incandescence would raise the temperature like yes, crazy. yeah yes yes which for some spaces now when they're like when the painter goes hey lighting person can you help me dry this paint and you're like you look up and you go uh you're in a full led space i'm sorry <laughs> Uh, get a it's, fan. It's happened. It's definitely happened to people. It's so funny. <laughs> um, but it's what it is. Uh, the problem with the LEDs is they don't dim as nicely as incandescents. So depending on the what, the fixture, depending on how it's set up, it might jump from 0% to 12%. Mm-hmm. Instead of... like the last part is usually tricky. Um, it doesn't quite go to zero like regular lights do. 
So that's one problem. Um, they so also sometimes you can't go to black as easy. Is that what you're saying? It's not as pretty going to black mm. or up from black. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, they might be like, I'm dimming, I'm dimming, I'm dimming, I'm dimming. Boop. Oh, okay. I guess I'm not going to do 5%. Gotcha. Something like that. Ah, uh, yeah. It's not a smooth transition. It's not as, yes, that's it. Yeah. It's not as smooth. That's, um, yeah. So that's tricky. Mm -hmm. uh, the other problem I found, which is just now just me being picky, is that. Yes, I can change colors, but sometimes people get so caught up in the, yeah, these change colors, that they forget to account for things like dark, like deep purple. Most LEDs, at least the ones I've worked with, can't really do deep purple. And that's kind of upsetting when I'm doing like, I don't know, a burlesque benefit like two weeks ago. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love deep purple. I, uh, Most people uh, do. Yeah, it's, it's highly evocative. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So, I, um, color-wise, I didn't think there would actually be uh, uh, um, uh, what am I saying? What, what um, with LEDs, I figured they could do every color. No, 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 no. They they do some colors well and some colors. Well. Most of them do a pretty decent deep blue, not mm. super deep, but pretty saturated blue. Yeah. Uh, they do a good blue. They usually do a pretty good red, like the base colors, red, blue, green. Um, but they can't do they can't do a clean white, in that sense. Right. Like it, it has it tends to have a pinkish t tint. And when you start mixing blue and red together to get purple, you can't quite get it as deep as and saturated as a regular as a pure red or pure blue. Gotcha. Unfortunately. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Um, let me let me jump over to something completely different here for a second. Um, yeah. You you are a master electrician. Um, Sometimes. Which, well, <laughs> um, you function as a master electrician. Uh, I have serious trouble changing a light bulb. Um, but I'm I was looking at your website and you've got these lighting plots up there, and I'm looking at this thinking Sanskrit is easier to interpret. Um, <laughs> And I realize these things must look incredibly, well, relatively simple to you. And do you have to do one of these things for every show? Is there a standard for each theater that you work in? Is this something that you would create? Because um, audience-wise, folks out there, this these are, if you're not familiar with them, they can blow your mind just looking at this. Um, it's it's like a roadmap of every city in the world stacked on top of each other. Um, with that said, how do you deal with that? Do you create those? Uh, yeah. Uh, ba basically, well, for small shows, if I'm the one doing the hang and the focus and all the electrician work, then as a designer, I don't necessarily do those plots mm -hmm. because I it's all in my head. It goes into the air. And so sometimes I skip the paperwork a little bit or I just doodle and it happens. Gotcha. Um, but for bigger shows, if I'm, or if I'm, ha if I have to archive the design in paperwork form, that's how we do it. Um, and so usually I start with a ground plan from the theater, like a space drawing, which most theaters have. Some theaters don't. Like I did a show where they, in a school where they didn't have a space drawing. So I made my own. <laughs> okay. Um, it was pretty tedious. It was a lot of climbing around and tape measures and things. Um, but the good thing about a lighting plot is in its early stages, I, I do this thing called worksheeting, 
where um, I, how do I describe this? Uh, I look at the space section view. So like I see where the grid is in relation to the floor. Um, and then I start drawing cones of light mm -hmm. to see if it works. So that's, that's called worksheeting. It's, and I mean, the process is also called drafting. Uh, but yeah, uh, so the, and then once I figured out, I was like, okay, so this light of this type in this part of the space will cover this much area and I need five of them across and three deep. Then I start putting it onto the plot, the lighting plot. So that when I eventually hand it off to somebody to hang the lights, they can just look at it and be like, oh, she wants this light here. It gets plugged into this circuit and then it goes into the air. Um, so yeah, I, mm. I try to do them for most of my shows, especially if I'm handing it off. I mean, if I'm handing off, I definitely have to do a light plot. Um, right. And it's more so that if, for example, somebody goes, hey, uh, we want to remount that show with exactly what you did, I can just be like, this is the paperwork. Nice. Uh, yeah. And then yeah. it's also been useful for some small theaters that I worked at. Uh, there was one where people, the next rental coming into the space was like, I don't really have time to hang a new plot. What do you have in the space? I send my current plot to the the venue and they send it out and they're like, we're happy with that. We'll keep it. So then I don't need to strike the space when we leave. I just leave the plot out. And I leave the, the lighting all up. <laughs> that makes it easier for everybody. Everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there, was, there was a space that kept my plot up for like the next three months or something. Something ridiculous. Because I came back to see a show and I was like, uh, that's still my plot in the air. So does that you can tell that yeah oh yeah wow yes. okay well in that space in that space i i had it was my fourth show in that space for the season and so i had developed secret ways of tucking lights into the hvac like up into the ceiling mm. so the way it was hung i knew it was still my plot <laughs> Ah, that's that's pretty cool. Um, yep. What is a magic sheet? Ooh, um, a magic sheet. I saw that on a... your website also, and I was kind of looking yeah, at yeah, that, yeah. and I'm thinking, oh, Gavalt, what is this thing? Um, it's a special and important piece of paper, usually, or on your computer, uh, that tells you what each light does really quickly without you having to look at the paperwork. So, for example... Um, if my front light channels are one through 10, I would have a little drawing of the stage with the numbers on it, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, for example. Mm -hmm. And then if I'm, when I'm writing cues in the lighting board and I'm like, ooh, I need more front light, eh, downstage right, which would be one in my case, I know that channel one will be the front light to hit that spot. Uh, something along those lines. Okay. So and so I think you know I don't really know why it's called a magic sheet nobody explained the history behind it but it's kind of magic. It just it had a great name and I saw, I saw it up there and I thought this is something I know nothing about so I will ask the question. But yes. uh okay um let's say that is, yeah. That is the one of the most important paperwork if you're handing off a design to somebody. Like for example if I'm going into a space that already has a plot up. Mhm. Mm and I have three hours to program something for an event that night. I don't want your plot. 
I want a magic sheet so that I know what each light does almost immediately. Gotcha. Yeah. Shorthand almost. Yeah. All right. Yes. Um, yeah. You work closely with directors all through the process, I'm gathering. And I'm sure mm -hmm. every show is different as is every director. Um, mm -hmm. And yes, we all love it when the directors have a clue about what the other person does. Um, but sometimes that doesn't happen. And so, which my next question is, is you're talking about putting the lights up and setting, hanging and focusing, and you get everything there. Right, and then they come in for tech, and all of a sudden the director just starts changing the blocking. Right. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, I've never done this, by the way. Just want everybody to know. Um, but I've heard of other people doing it. Now, yeah, okay, sometimes it's probably an easy thing to change, like, one one thing. You know, okay, so we'll move these two lights over here, and we'll focus because the couch has moved, and yada, yada, yada. Um how does it get to the point where your authority has to go up against the directors where you would probably have to say to them, this cannot be done. It's too late in the process. Um, does that happen? Um, has it happened with you? It does. It definitely does. Um, I've, I'm kind of designing in the sweet spot now where if I do design my own plot, most directors are pretty good with this is how I want the space to look. And I go into enough rehearsals and design runs so that when we actually get to tech, nothing changes. Mm -hmm. So that's good. Um, and the other, on the other end of the spectrum, the, sometimes I do certain designs where there's a repertory plot already up. So then I'm not the one actually hanging them. And when they change the blocking, I go, Oh, instead of using channel one, I use channel three to highlight the couch. Um, so in in a in a space where there is enough lights, mm -hmm. I can potentially use something else to do the same job, which is which just brings us back to the whole you know evoke versus specific lights. Right. I've had I've had directors be like, no, how about that light turns on, and I'm like, uh, no, that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like your advice, but that's not what that's not what you really want to to say the same meaning. Um, but I digress. Uh, so yeah, no, um, most of my directors have been really nice. Like if we get into tech and they suddenly realize that they absolutely have to move something that changes a lot, like where certain lights hang, they talk to me about it. They're like, Hey, how much will it screw you over if I move this? Right. And then I tell them, honestly, that's fine. Or, Seriously, I don't have the time or manpower to do this. Yeah. And I'm assuming most of them cooperate and just move on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But sometimes, we, and then sometimes we find a compromise and they're like, I'm happy to, they might be like, I'm happy to ditch this idea if I can move the couch there. I'm like, great. Gotcha. Then we'll do that. Cool. Um, theater persons talking to theater persons here. I mean, it's, we're all in different areas. How did you find your way into, uh, light design and, uh, master electricianness as, as <laughs> um, opposed, as opposed to other things about theater that you could have possibly, you know, pursued. Mm. When, when, when did you know you were going to, you, this is what when you did really I know? wanted to do. Yeah. The calling moment. Yeah. 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 Uh, 
So, how do I start? I finished high school, realized that there was no major in any of the universities back home that I wanted to study. Uh, started as a PA on a little Chinese, well, not little, actually pretty big, a big Chinese musical. Um, realized that I want to do theater. Then I spent a year and a half freelancing back home. Back home is Singapore. Uh, so back home is Singapore. Mm-hmm. And before applying for school. And in that time, I was like, okay, it seems to me that we might be in need of a set, des- like more set designers. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to school for set. Like that was going to be my primary. But then my school was good in that, Ithaca College is good in that you, you go in with a primary and secondary focus. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, my primary focus is scenic design and my secondary focus is lighting design. Um, it was also kind of silly because I didn't really want to do lighting design because one of my friends was a lighting designer. And I was hoping that if it all worked out, she would be the lighting designer, our other friend would be the sound designer, and I would be the set designer. We'd be like power trio. Right. Um, but what happens after we were... school? Oh, no. And then I went – well, we're in different countries now. Gotcha. Uh, but I went to – I got to school – and then first year we do pretty much basics in every area of theater. And then sophomore year was when we start focusing on our like primary and secondary. And that's when I realized that lighting design was natural. It came so much more naturally to me. Hmm. Whereas set des- and the process of set design was was fun, but not my kind of thing. It yeah, it just the the way the lighting designer process works flowed with my, my thought processes and just like how I like to work as a person. Okay. Um, so that was that, like it, I know it's, it's cliche. It just, it felt right. No, and then, no, 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 no. That's, it's, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt right. And then it also started making sense in the way that, um, I, I grew up as a math and science kid, Almost, I'm pretty sure if I didn't do theater, I would have ended up in engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, and lighting is definitely the most science-ish of the technical production aspects. Okay. I can, I can easily understand that, sure. Yeah, like physics, not so much chemistry, I guess. I guess paint will probably be, maybe, I don't know. But like in terms of physics, I loved physics mm. in high school. Physics and math. So that was, that made jumping into lighting design easier because it commands a lot of technical knowledge. Um, And what else? But there's also a heavily artistic side to, I mean, lighting design. It's, it's, it's not just, I mean, it's not just the science of mixing the lights or Mm -hmm. the science of, of managing the, the wattage or, or the grid structure and that sort of thing. But you're, literally painting the set with mm-hmm. light okay mm-hmm. um and one of the questions i wanted wanted to ask is you're reading a play mm-hmm. let's, let's just say for the first time okay and i'm sure you give it like three or four reads and all that sort of thing but as you're reading it what goes on in your head about the lighting or, or do you i mean are you painting it in your mind every time you go through this or you, you know, different ideas occurring to you. What happens? Hmm. Uh, I try not to paint too hard during the reads 
most and oh and i almost never pay attention to the stage directions in, <laughs> in the scripts they're yeah. like oh this there's this it gives me a good idea of what the director might want to do but right. besides that like i walked into a design run that day and the director was like oh and ignore the stage directions and i was like honey i i never be, because i know you're going to change what you want mm-hmm. and we're not going to go with the script um uh where was i but yeah, no, I don't, I try not to think too hard about what it's going to look like, but focus again on what we want to evoke right? in certain sections of the play and as an overall message. And it's not until I see a design run when we have actors in the space or in the rehearsal space, when I'm like, okay, this is how I'm going to light them. And that's when I start being like, okay, I might do some like blue here. It's mostly going to be black light. We don't really want to see their face in this section, stuff like that. Um, but before a design run, I try not to think too hard about how I want to light it. Although, I would say, because I'm working in a lot of smaller spaces now where there's not mm-hmm. a lot of gear, I try to talk to the directors early enough and be like, hey, so what are you thinking? What are you actually seeing? And now I'm not just asking them what they want to evoke, but also if they have any mental pictures they have that they can describe so that I can be like, okay, well, I can't really do front sides and backs. Maybe I compromise and do fronts and sides only, which is what I did for the recent workshop production. I didn't have enough gear to do enough light coverage. Right. Or if they're like, I really, really want five specials. It's okay if nothing else is isolated. Then I focus on those five specials and then do a general wash for the rest um so yeah that's that's and then with that plot armed with that lighting plot then i go into a design run and that's when i decide how each cue is roughly going to look and then the rest i just do in text (laughs) there you go yeah yep cool last question um let's pretend i'm every director in the world okay you're talking to whoever's out there listening um, what do we all need to know when we're working with a lighting designer or a master electrician that we might not know? What do you want to tell us? Um, have faith in us. <laughs> <laughs> I've, 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 I've had directors who are like, can you do that? What? And then there are some who just will come into the room and they'll be like, this is what I want. And I know you can do it. And then they just, and then they're so happy in tech, which makes tech so much easier because honestly, that is our only time to really make art. Mm. Yes, because, and, and it, it took me, it, this was my first design back in college when I was really stressed out before tech. And my friend who's a sound designer, he was like, okay, think about it this way. Scenic designer, your set's done before loading. You paint it before you start tech. And you get to see it on stage before crunch time. Costume designer, same thing. You get to build it in the shop. You get to see it before tech. You get to figure actors at the start of tech. You have time for notes. And uh, sound designer, it's a little tricky because you kind of have to get into the space before you can really mix it. But you know what the sound cues were going to roughly sound like. You know how to, you build your soundscape before you go in. Lighting designers, 
all I got is boxes on paper, squares on paper. I go in there and that's when I can eventually be like, okay, this is what the show is going to look like. And usually that's like two days, maybe four if I'm lucky. So, hmm. you know. It um, seems like you guys are under the most pressure when it comes to actually getting your work okay. done. Yeah. 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 Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask, do you ever have any crisis moments? But I think you just answered that one. Yeah. No, but, I mean, which is why in tech, I'm always, like, try to keep things chill. We all secretly have this goal, especially for bigger shows, that if in tech we're holding for somebody else, like sound, costumes, scenery, mm -hmm. yeah. we're winning. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Because I... I I joked before my first design, I was like, now nah, you're never going to be holding for lights. We were holding for lights the entire tech. <laughs> because that's the only time we got to work. <laughs> it's nice when somebody goes, who are we waiting for? And people raise their hands, go, not me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah. 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 And then, and that was when I was like, yeah, it is, it is fact, it is a fact. And if any other department gets angry because we're holding for lights again in tech, then you can just go, I don't know. Go take a walk. <laughs> <laughs> well, Go take a walk. <laughs> we're going to take a walk on that, Iwei Wu. This has been so much fun to talk to you. Um, and I'm so glad we finally managed to get you on the show. Um, yeah, thank you. This and, is awesome. And we miss you at the Fringe. Um, <sighs> you're always welcome to come back. Uh, you don't even have to work. You can just come back. Um, <laughs> so what's... Tell us, tell us quickly uh, how we can find you. What's your website? Um, how do we, you know, and uh, what's next for you? What are you going into next? Uh, oh, gosh. So I'm doing Man of La Mancha with the Arlington Players, which is uh, a community theater based in Arlington, Virginia. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I'm doing... Um, sort of a new play it's, it's been done in fringe shows before but this is its first actual proper production uh called 43 and a half the greatest deaths of shakespeare i think that's oh the i like name. that it's really long yeah and so it's, it's kind of a <laughs> yeah and it's well there are a lot of deaths actually oh yeah oh yeah and it's good it's going to be funny there's going to be some blood some is a Mm -hmm. Huge understatement. Um, I love blood. But I don't want to give. I don't want to give away too much. Uh, there's going to be lots of blood, actually. Uh, and after that, I'm doing also a uh, sort of a new player. At least it just came out of workshopping uh, called Tame, which is a response, not not an adaptation, but a response to Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew. Mm. That sounds interesting. Yeah, so that's kind of like my next big things. Oh, and then after that, I'm doing Copenhagen, which I'm really excited about. Good for play. Us. Good play. Yeah, I've been wanting to do it since my senior year. No, I read it mm. my junior year. So it's kind of a dream come true production type of opportunity. Nice. nice. Uh, yeah, and you can probably find me if you frequent any theaters in D.C. <laughs> <laughs> I apparently move around a lot. Okay. Um, and my website is www.ihui.info which is spelled e-hui.info because ihui.com is taken who knew really yeah who would have figured oh well 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you again so much for being on the show. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. All right. Hey, kids, thanks for listening to On Stage, Off Stage. On Stage, Off Stage is produced monthly, and all of our shows can be found at onstageoffstage.org and also on iTunes. If you like what we do, please recommend us to your friends. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at OnOffStage. And if you are a theater artist with an upcoming project of interest or work in a part of theater that we haven't covered yet, or know of someone else in the theater who'd make some really good chat, please send us a note at info at onstageoffstage.org. Our intro and outro music is Surf Far, Surf Good by the composer Steve Channon. You can hear more of his work on SoundCloud. I'm George Sapio. Thank you once again, and happy theatering to all of you.
Hey kids, thanks for listening to On Stage, Off Stage. On Stage, Off Stage is produced monthly and all of our shows can be found at onstageoffstage.org and also on iTunes. If you like what we do, please recommend us to your friends. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at OnOffStage. And if you are a theater artist with an upcoming project of interest or work in a part of theater that we haven't covered yet or know of someone else in the theater who'd make some really good chat, please send us a note at info at onstageoffstage.org. Our intro and outro music is Surf Far, Surf Good by the composer Steve Channon. You can hear more of his work on SoundCloud. I'm George Sapio. Thank you once again, and happy theatering to all of you. Thank you.